Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for taking a few moments and listening to the podcast. Again, it means so much to me that you take time out of your schedule to invest in your leadership journey and allow me to maybe uh, engrave a few leadership thoughts on your heart as you're going about your day. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different kind of leadership lesson. Uh, Because I so intensely study leadership, especially as to how it impacts churches, uh, there's a concern that has been growing inside me. If the math is true, that what Duke University says regarding when pastors tend to retire and step down from full-time ministry, if the math is true about what major denominations say are the average age of the pastors that are now uh, doing pastoral ministry, then if those two things are true, the retirement age and the average age of pastors and many of the uh, most uh, well-known denominations, then what we're going to see is a major change in leadership over the next 10 years as an older generation begins to hand off to a younger generation. The math is pretty astronomical. Uh, the best guess is is that there will be nearly 100,000 churches if all the math lays out that we'll be looking for new leaders. The question then becomes, where are those 100,000 leaders going to come from that will be taking over uh, churches of all shapes and sizes and all styles? Where are they going to come from? That's a concern to me. I don't see a process in place right now that is facilitating that. And so one of my quests is is to raise up a new generation of leaders who will be at the forefront of what's going to happen over the next 10 years. That being said, what I want to do today is to offer an outline. And that's what I'm offering. If you pastor or you're over a Christian organization, this is an outline that I'm going to give you today that I ask that you would speak it and speak it particularly uh, to young people. I believe that one of the things that's happened as churches have sought to be relevant is that there's some old-fashioned things that we have forgotten to do. One of those old-fashioned things is we've forgotten to teach about being called of God and what a calling of God looks like and how that calling needs to be nurtured, and how that calling needs to be responded to. And I think that in our relevance, uh, we've forgotten that the next generation needs to be taught uh, about spiritual dynamics in a way that maybe they can step into them with a sense of knowledge and understanding, and that they can get it. But I think that there's a lot of ministers that no longer teach about a call of God. And they don't teach it to young people, and so young people don't even ask the question. They don't process, could it be the possibility that I'm being called? So what I want to do is I want to give you a lesson. I want to give you a lesson that describes someone in the Bible walking through being called, what the uh, background of that looked like, how that began to be translated into their life. And I want to ask you to find a group of young Christians and preach this message and then give an altar call. 
not asking them to get saved, but asking them the question, are you called? Are you called into this thing called ministry? And if you are, what is the process you're going to go down to make sure that you fulfill that call and that you do not overlook that call? So again, this is going to be a little bit different. So the title of this message is an up-close look at a call. The context is going to be two well-known uh, Bible figures, Elijah and Elijah. And it's found in 1 Kings chapter 19. Most of you know the story. Elijah has gone through uh, a time of um, depression. He's struggling. He thinks that uh, he's the only one uh, that has been faithful to God. But God begins to speak to him and says, Elijah, you got it wrong. There's thousands of others. And so there's two things that I would uh, bring out just at the very front of this story. Um, first, no one's irreplaceable. Elijah thought he was the only one. He thought he was the only one that was doing something major. And God's put up his hand. He said, Elijah, you need to get a grip here. It's not just you. There's thousands of others that are out there and they've not bowed their knee. They've not compromised their values. They've been steadfast in what they believe. So the first thing I'd say to leaders like me and to anyone is that, hey, no one's in a position that they can't be replaced. The second thing that I would say is there's always more going on than what we see from our particular seat and vantage point. And that's what God was saying. As much as Elijah was a little bit discouraged and depressed, he was saying, Elijah, uh, I'm God and I have more going on than you know. And never lose sight of the fact that I'm doing things that you may not know about because I'm going to make sure that my will gets accomplished. And uh, the third thing is, is that the events that are going to happen is that a call, a calling changes everything. Now, as you read through this story, there's uh, just some things that uh, are going to be changed in Elijah's life. In Elijah's life, as he begins to experience this calling, let me just give you a set of four things that are going to change. Uh, the first one has to do with finances. The nature of the story that we will walk through was that Elijah was an individual that was well off. He had economic resources that others did not have. Now, um, what I want to say to you is, is that finances are the number one reason that young people don't step up to the calling of God, don't respond to the calling of God, because this world has made everything in life about finances. How much you make, how much you don't make, do you have this or do you not have that? Elijah is going to go through a financial change. Uh, he's going to realize that to follow a call of God is going to require the submission of the entirety of his life. And the number one reason that people don't follow a call is over money. They don't think there's enough in it. They don't think they'll have enough. They don't think that they're going to be able to uh, make a living based on things and they're going to struggle. And so many people talk are talked out of the call because someone says, well, you need a career to fall back on. And if you don't have a career to fall back on, uh, you just need that. And so we send kids off to college and we give the world four plus years to pound into them uh, a set of beliefs 
that will rob them of their calling. So he's going to realize a call changes everything. It changes the financial aspect of how you look at life. Uh, it changes your family, uh, and it affects them. They will be at the epicenter. It affects them more than everyone else because Elijah's going to talk specifically about his mom and his dad. And it's going to change your friends uh, because to follow a call, there are friends that uh, you're not going to be able to have the relationships that you've had before. And that's going to play out in this particular message. And it's going to uh, have an effect on your focus. What are you going to focus on? So just sort of as the preamble to this lesson, what we see is this, is that Elijah is going to respond to a call. It's going to change everything. It's going to change the financial line of his life. It's going to change the family in his life. It's going to change the friends in his life. And it's going to change the focus of his life. That being said, I just want to walk you through um, just almost verse by verse a set of thoughts. Number one, Elijah was at work when Elijah uh, found him. We know that in verse 19 that Elijah was plowing. And what I'd say to you is I don't think that's accidental. Uh, God doesn't hire lazy people. He doesn't call lazy people. He wants people who know how to work. When you study the Bible about a calling, we're given this concept. It says, uh, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I've called them. The Bible says, be a workman of God that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible says, do the work of an evangelist. And so if you're talking about a calling, you're talking about a work ethic, how you work and the ability to work hard. God doesn't call lazy people. Ministry is always going to be hard work. Number two, it will challenge your comfort zone. In verse 19, we see that not only was he uh, plowing, but we see that he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Um, back in that day, if if you had a donkey, you were considered to be well off. If you had a horse, you were amazingly well off. If you had an ox, you were just the top of the, the food chain as far as lifestyle. But to have 12 yoke of oxen, that is astronomical. This is Bill Gates kind of territory. This is Warren Buffett kind of uh, lifestyle. This guy was in a zone that very few people are in. But one of the things you'll find out about a call of God is it will challenge your comfort zone. It's going to make you get out of where you're comfortable. And that's what's going to happen with Elijah. Number three, Elijah walks up while he's plying and he throws his mantle upon him. He basically takes his cloak. And again, in the Old Testament, there was imagery. And if you were a rabbi, you wore a certain kind of clothes. If you were a priest, you wore a certain kind of clothes. If you were a prophet, you wore a certain kind of clothes. And so for a prophet to take off his clothes and to throw them down at your feet and to say, pick these up, uh, that was very symbolic. It was saying, hey, God's calling you to do something. And so uh, what we understand 
is that others may see the calling on our life before we do. That's what's happening here. Elijah was seeing the calling on Elijah's life uh, before he did. So when he cast down his mantle, he was saying, God's called you. You need to recognize this. You need to wake up. Your calling's not just to plow. Your calling's not just to be comfortable. God has a call on your life. We then see that as Elijah did that, in verse 20, it says that uh, Elijah left. And what he left for was he left to go back to his family, to begin to talk to him. He said, hey, I need to talk to my father. I need to talk to my mother. And so principle four is this. You have to decisively engage. Now, when I use those words, decisively engage, if you're in the military and you receive a radio report that someone is decisively engaged, that means this. There is no retreating. They either win the battle or else. That term in military speak refers to the fact that there is no retreating. There is no pulling back. We're going to win or else. And that's what Elijah is going to do. He's going to decisively engage. He's going to go back. He's going to go back to his family. He's going to say, guys, I know that the family structure has set me up to be a landowner, to be uh, one of the chief landowners, to be out in the fields, to be doing all of this. But uh, God's called me to do something I need you to know my life's going to take on a different tone, a different nature. And so there's going to be a decisive engagement. He is going to engage so that there is no retreat. And it's the kind of thing that Jesus said. It was probably the kind of thing that Jesus was talking about when he talked about people counting the costs, being aware of the significance of their actions. And that's what Elijah's doing. Uh, another thing is, is that uh, in verse 21, it says that he killed a yoke of oxen. And the value of the oxen was not eating them, it was working them. You didn't kill oxen. You might kill other animals for meat, but you didn't kill the oxen because the oxen was more valuable at what he was going to achieve helping you to work. And so this is a decisive thing where he is engaged. But when he killed the oxen, what that meant was he was going public. He was saying to people around him, my world's changing. My life's changing. He went public. So when you have a call in your life, it's one of those kind of things that you can't hide. You've got to go public with it. You've got to say, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. So let me review the first five thoughts. Elijah was at work. Ministry is hard work. It will challenge your comfort zone. You're going to have to get out of areas that you're comfortable in if you're going to follow a call of God. Others may see it before you do. Elijah had a clue of what was going on. You're going to have to decisively engage. You're going to have to be all in. And then you're going to have to go public. You can't be called in secret. You've got to go public. And then we see the next principle of a calling. It says that not only did he kill the oxen, but he gave it to the people. And that is the first fruit of being called. 
you are going out of your way to help others. Do you realize that, that, that an ox, if you killed it, the meat in there would basically take care of a village of people uh, for a long period of time. It would be more meat than they were used to having. It would be pronounced. And what he was saying is, is not only am I going public with this, but I'm going public that whatever I have, whatever I can do, I'm going to use that to help other people because that's what a call is. A call isn't about us. It's about God. And it's about God asking us to live our lives in such a way that we begin to help other people. That's what's going on. And so you begin to see this process. And then you see the mode here is it says, after he did that, it says he got up. And in ministry, you've got to get up. You've got to get off wherever you're seated, and you have to get up, and you have to be willing to go. See, if you're called, you're called to go somewhere. And that's what's happening with Elijah. He gets up. There's some place. For some people, it's going to be going to the inner city. For other people, it's going to be going to a foreign nation. For other people, it's going to be going and and finding a church and, and being active in that church and what that church is doing, that you have to get up. So he's beginning to process a call. I'm called. I'm accepting it. I'm not going to turn back. I'm decisively engaged. I'm saying no to the past. I've killed the oxen. I'm helping other people. They're going to eat off this oxen. And my calling is going to help me to feed people. And then I'm going to get up. He's getting up and he's going to go. And it says in there, it says he went and he ministered. And what that refers to is is the concept of serving. A call requires that you serve. And that you just serve faithfully. Paul wrote to Timothy, it says uh, that God hath enabled me who hath considered me faithful. See, the power of God always follows the faithfulness of God. And so if you are going to be uh, called of God, you have to be willing just to serve, to minister. And Elijah's life, or Elijah's life, that's going to be a 10-year period where he's going to do nothing but serve Elijah and help him in his ministry. And for most people, when they're called, they're going to start that call by helping someone else in ministry for an extended period of time. And that's what Elijah's going to do. A call always requires you to serve. And what we know is it's going to take years. It will take longer than you think to fulfill the ultimate calling that God has for you. So here's the outline. Number one, Elijah was at work. Ministry requires work. Number two, it will challenge your comfort zone. You don't get to stay comfort, comfortable and respond to a call of God. Number three, others may see it before you do, but that's all right. If they begin to acknowledge God has his hand on you, consider it. Begin to recognize it. Decisively engage. Be willing to just uh, go and talk to the people you need to talk to, but you can't turn back. You have to be decisively engaged. You've got to go public with your calling. 
whatever is your oxen, you're going to have to kill it. You're going to have to say, this is what I used to be. This is not what I'm going to be. And your calling always starts by helping others. He took the oxen and he used the meat to feed others. And then you're going to have to get up and go. You're not going to get to stay. You're going to have to be able to go where God asks you to go and to do what God asks you to do. And a call requires you to serve. You're going to have to learn the principle of faithfulness, not in days, not in weeks, not in months, but in years of just being faithful in ministry. And you have to know that it's going to take longer than you think to step into the full manifestation of what your calling is. That's the outline. If you're a Christian leader, I'm asking you to take that outline. I'm asking you to take it to young people, and I'm asking you to walk them through it. And I'm asking you to have them bow their heads and to ask the question, do I sense that God's called me? And if God begins to move on some of their hearts, I want to ask you to bring them up front, to pray publicly over them, the calling of God upon their life. And then I want you to come up with a way, a plan, that you can begin to engage them in a process so that they can begin to respond to the call of God on them. We've got to do this. There's too much at stake for the future of the church. Leadership is not about what you receive. Leadership is about what you leave behind. And all of us that are older in Christian leadership, we're the young people that we're going to leave behind and leave the church in and leave ministry in. That's what we have to do. So please do that. I'd love to hear your story about how you preached this outline and the effect that it had. It would be so meaningful to me if you could just write me and let me know that. That being said, I'm so thankful for each one of you and your leadership journey. I'm so proud of you for all that you're doing uh, for Christ. But again, uh, if this podcast is beneficial to you, could you let some of your friends know so that uh, they might benefit also? And just uh, sort of tag them, send out, let them be aware of that. But my prayer for you is, is that you're blessed of God. If you haven't gone, you can go to my uh, website, Gerald Brooks Ministries. has my resources, where I'm speaking, what I'm doing. Uh, I'd love to have you involved in the future. We have a couple of things that will be coming up next year. Another breaking the 200 barrier for pastors and a breaking the 500 barrier plus the many roundtables that I do. Uh, And so all of those are out there, and I'd love to see you at one of those events. Thank you so much for listening.